And some time ago when the Holy Spirit laid this heart, this message on my heart, it's, it's been one that has just been increasing and increasing in the sense of call and passion to preach it. Tomorrow in Detroit, I've been asked to address this subject and I will be presenting this message tomorrow, this very same message, and I really covet your prayers tomorrow as I go up there to do that. There's been a spate of suicides and among people who've had some very serious life challenges. And um, I asked the first service and I'm asking you, fear is a nasty thing. There's a healthy fear. I fear rattlesnakes. I mean, I fear rattlesnakes. I, we've killed some big ones back home. I showed Becky a video this week. A man found a rattlesnake outside his house, so he called the pest control. There were 45 rattlesnakes under his house in Texas. <sighs> May Jesus never call me to Texas. Everything's bigger in Texas, they say, and those snakes were gigantic. Becky goes, why are you showing me this? I said, I hate snakes, I hate snakes, I hate snakes. There's a healthy fear. There's a, I'm not a gambler. Number one, I believe it's, I just don't believe that's the way God calls us to use our money that we earn and work hard for it and people throw their money away and I think it's a commentary on our society that that's to support our schools is by gambling. So I have a fear of, of gambling, but I don't mind taking a gamble for God when He lays something on my heart. And when I read this psalm, David took some great gambles for God. You might say, well, faith isn't really a gamble. But there are times when you step out in faith and you don't know if the Lord's going to deliver you from the sword. Hebrews is very clear that some God did not deliver from the sword. Some were even sawn asunder, the Bible says. But you take that step of faith because you believe that's what God wants you to do. Bill and Karen that will be with us next week, you just saw their picture. Karen gave up her school teacher's position. Bill was in the grocery business. And now they're going to a very dangerous part of the world because they believe lost people matter to God. And they believe God has called them to Sudan. But David, from his experience as a shepherd boy, knowing that it was his responsibility to feed, to protect, to prepare for the sheep, as he observe what he did as he observed the sheep he learned a lot about God he learned that God is our shepherd now sheep aren't very smart animals matter of fact everything I've read about sheep is they're dumb dumb real dumb I mean they're defenseless. They can't run from their predators. They die of a heart attack. 
they drink from still water. Shepherds lead them to still waters because they're so dumb, they'll walk out in the water and even if it's rushing water and then they're drowned because of the weight of their wool. They're just defenseless animals. One day I, I told the Lord, I says, Lord, you call us sheep and everything I read, they're dumb. And you created us in your image, God. What does that say about you? And the Lord just that quickly laid this on my heart. I never sinned. And boy, sin makes you dumb. Sin makes you defenseless. Sin will wreck your life. And so therefore, he's our sheep. I mean, he's our shepherd. But that powerful statement that he goes ahead of us and he prepares the way for us. I love that. God's preparing the way ahead of you right now. You don't know what's coming, but God is preparing the head, way ahead of you for college, for athletics, for your children, your grandchildren. God's preparing a table for you right now. I love that's what a shepherd does. He goes ahead to prepare. And then if you'll put this scripture Psalms, from Psalms 23 up on the screen, David, when he gets to the valley of the shadow of death, he says, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Will you read that with me? I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Come to the valley of the shadow of death. A few years ago when I broke my ankle and my tibula, as I began to get better and was trying to get off the crutches, Becky went and bought me a cane. I said, I'm not using that. She goes, yes, you are. I go, I'm not using that. She goes, why? I said, because when I approach the valley of the shadow of death, I know I'm going to slow down. I know when I approach the valley of the shadow of death, I'm going to need a cane to help me. You just slow down when you start approaching the valley of the shadow of death. Some of you walked through that with your family. But until that time, I don't want a cane in this house. So she gave it a goodwill and said, you're stubborn. I said, no, I'm not stubborn, but I'm not using that cane. And I didn't use that cane. It's a good thing to slow down as you get older. C.S. Lewis calls this the shadow lands, this life that we're living right now. We're approaching the valley of the shadow of death. It's the valley of the shadow of death. It's, it's a border between this life and heaven. Therefore, he calls it the Shadowlands. Yea, though, when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, what causes a shadow? Because something is blocking the light. That's what causes a shadow. And as death blocks the light, somehow or another, David, by faith, was able to see that what lay on the other side of the valley of the shadow of death was being in the presence of God where there's life forevermore. You were not created to die. We'll all die in this physical body, but we will go to be with the Lord if we've received Christ Jesus as our Savior forever and ever and ever and ever. Can we give him a hand of praise for that? Isn't that exciting? So David says, I will fear no evil. Not because he's incredibly and exceptionally brave, which he was, I will fear, <clears throat> fear no evil, for you 
are with me. That's the source of our courage. That's the source of our faith is for you are with me. The presence of God. I'm going to ask you to stand with me and we're going to pray together. Oh Lord, all of these songs have just touched me to the core of my being. Right now, Lord, all I want to do is just sit at your feet and worship. But I know the call right now is to share this message with everyone here today. God, to share this message with those that are listening online. And so as I always pray, Lord, I ask you to open up our eyes so we can behold wonderful things. But I pray especially for us today because sometimes it's, it's just hard to pay attention. Our minds wander. So Lord, I pray that you will somehow or another touch us so that we can pay attention to what the Spirit of the Lord is saying through the message this morning. And Jesus, I pray help me to say no more and no less than what you want me to say and answer this question when I'm afraid. And I pray that when it's all over, your people will be bold and courageous as lions, that shackles will be broken, dreams will birth and flower, lost people will come to know you, and oh God, that you will be glorified in your people today. I ask this all in the name of him who loves us forever and ever, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen, amen, and amen. Well, give him one more hand of praise. I am just so moved by his presence today. You can be seated and follow along. God's presence has been so real in this service today that I took out my iPad and wrote into my notes, just so you can see. I wrote into my notes, his presence was so real and so strong, especially in our first service this morning, in that same sense of the presence of the Lord. I don't want you to miss that. You see, I went to Dr. Google this week and I Googled up fear. And I was amazed at all the fears that people have. Fears of tornadoes, fears of bugs, fears of snakes, fears of losing their health, fears of sickness, fears of skin diseases, fears of skin, fears I had never heard of before. One time I just asked myself, do I need to be more afraid? I mean, there was just so many fears there. And as I read those, so many times verses of Scripture would come to my mind. People who fear curses, no curse, no undeserved curse will ever rest. You have been redeemed from the curse in the name of Jesus. There is a real fear of people out there who fear curses and things of that nature. No fear of condemnation. You know, I just kind of, those verses just come to your mind, but there's one thing. It's the fear of death. And that's what David was writing about here is that fear of death, the shadowlands that we were just talking about. Isaiah 41, though, God says, don't be afraid. I am with you. Don't be discouraged. I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my right hand. 
I love the way the King James Version says it. Fear not, for I am with you. Fear not. The Lord's presence, that's why we're not afraid. It's not because we're clever. It's not because we're somehow or another bold in ourselves, but we're not afraid because God is with us. Never forget that. Jesus will never leave you or forsake you. He will never abandon you. It's the reason that when David was on his deathbed, he gathered his children around him and he said to Solomon, Solomon, be strong, be of good courage, and do, do what God has commanded you to do. And it's what I want to stand here as your pastor this morning and to say to you, be strong, be of good courage, don't be afraid, and do what God has called you to do. David, as a shepherd, understood the staff. I have a staff in my office that hangs up behind my desk, and with that staff, he would lead and guide the sheep. He would pull sheep back upon to the path, and God leads you and guides you. His unseen and an invisible hand is so much more present in your life than you will ever, ever know. God's presence is real, and God guides and leads, even sometimes when we're not aware of his presence, even sometimes when we are not aware of what God is doing, he's directing our thoughts, again, like the thoughts of a king in an irrigation canal, water in an irrigation canal. So in light of that this morning, I'd like to ask you a question. What fear is holding you back? from being and doing what God has called you to do? What fear is preventing you from stepping out in faith? What fear is presenting you from being the man or the woman or the family or the church or the small group that God has called us to be? Sometimes as I look and talk to people, I have people who have a dream of starting a business and I'll sit down with them and I'll say, do you know how to start a business? Have you talked with anybody about how to build a business plan? And they've been afraid to start. Maybe it's a restaurant. They love to cook, but they know nothing about a business. So I'll point them to people in our congregation that can tell them what a business is like. Maybe you don't want to run a business. Maybe you just want to be a chef and you need to go to a culinary school or maybe you do need to start a business. You have that aptitude for it. Sometimes I meet people in our congregation that they want to quit their business. They want to quit their jobs and I'll say, okay, let's make a plan. Why are you afraid of quitting the job? Or are you afraid? And we'll go through their fears and we'll list their fears and then sometimes I can point them to somebody that can help them and walk them through the path they need to take professionally. I've never been where they're at. I've never done what they've done. I was really shocked. I knew it, but I was shocked to see that the fear of public speaking is still the number one fear in the United States. And if I understand that correctly, there are people that are saying, I would rather be in a pine box in front of this pulpit than standing behind this pulpit and speaking this morning. I ain't never been that afraid. <laughs> And I go through a moment of terror every time I have to speak, and that's no exaggeration. There were times when I was traveling, I would have to ask for a room if the church didn't have study or a green room that I could go to, and I would go back there and confess scriptures about God's call on my life. I do that every week here and every Sunday morning before I come to this pulpit, and just now, just standing there says, Lord, this is a useless exercise. This is a foolish exercise unless you bear witness, and that's a good place to be when you're depending upon God. 
So don't be afraid of stepping out in faith and don't be afraid and don't let fear hold you back from what God has called you to do. Sometimes people are afraid because they've had broken relationships or failed marriages and they'll say to me, I just, I just don't have the courage, I just don't have the heart to try again or to date again or to meet somebody else. And fear keeps them in a lonely place. Fear keeps them not in solitude, which is a blessing, but fear keeps them in loneliness because they've been hurt and they're damaged and it keeps them from building a new relationship. The Bible says in Psalms 29 and verse 25 that fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. There are some of you in our congregation that you were trappers. Some of you have told me the stories about trapping and how you tried to trap animals in a certain way because their pelts were worth more when you trapped them in that way. And the Bible says that fearing people rather than fearing God becomes a trap for you. It hinders you. It can kill you. It can maim you. It can destroy you and keep you from becoming what God has called you and created you to be. But the fear of the Lord, that's the one fear that we all should have. For the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the forgotten fear in our society today. It's the fear that nobody likes to talk about in our society today. But to fear the Lord, the Bible says, not as an abusive parent, but as a God who loves us and is in control and almighty. And as I shared with someone this week, even though Jesus is my best friend and my Lord, and that's how he tells me to to, to to refer to my relationship to him. If Jesus Christ appeared in this place today, all of us would fall before his holiness like dead men and dead women today. He is God Almighty. And the fear of the Lord is the one fear that if we have that, then we will never fear people for what can human beings do to us. Satan is a defeated foe. Satan is made much more of than he should be made of. People walk around trying to find demons in this and demons in that. Friends, I don't walk around trying to find a demon. I walk around looking by faith. What is God doing here? What is God saying here? I could give a flying rip what the devil's thinking about. I want to know what Jesus is thinking about this morning. So we don't fear the enemy. We don't fear evil. Trusting the Lord means safety. Let me give you three keys for beginning to identify the fears. Number one, identify the fear in your life. There were numbers of fears because I grew up with lots of them. I had to identify them and it took a counselor to help me work through those fears and we would name those fears together and we would pray together as a family and we unmasked those fears and found out all the things that the enemy would put into my mind about my future and my health and my life, things that well-meaning people had said to me, everything from not being able to be married, everything from not being able to walk, everything from not being able to live, everything from not being able to comprehend and study, to not being able to speak, everything that people who meant well said to me turned out to be a lie. Sometimes well-meaning people and well-thinking people, they'll tell you the biggest lies, not because they are liars, but because they themselves are trapped by fear. Greater is he that is within you than he that is within the worlds. And God is able to make the impossible become the possible. Fear keeps some people from receiving Christ. Fear hinders them from crossing the line and committing their lives to Jesus Christ. 
The Bible says in Romans chapter five and verse eight, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. God is not angry at the world. God loves the world. Sin came into this world by one man. And we have lost, I think, the concept of sin. And I know you're thinking, Pastor, last week you talked to us about sin. And this week again, is there something going on in the church I need to know about? No, I'm preaching prophylactically, I hope, because I want to protect us from what sin can do to us. And that is, friends, don't ever forget the evil, the crime, the violence, the hatred, the jealousy, the venom, the division that our nation experiences today, the racism, the bondages, the occult, the, all the confusion about who God is, all of the divorce and the marital breakdown, the identity crisis and the gender crisis, all of that is coming because Adam and Eve chose to sin. And when sin entered into this world, it wreaked havoc upon what creation was supposed to be but one day Jesus shall return one day there will be a new heaven and a new earth one day Satan will be defeated forever and then we shall know what heaven is truly like and what God meant for us forever but until that time you can live without fear in a broken world because you belong to Christ today you can live without fear in a broken violent world because you belong to Christ. Romans chapter five and verse 17, it is true that through the sin of one man, death began to rule because of that one man. But how much greater is the result of what was done by the one man, Jesus Christ? All who receive God's abundant grace are freely put right with him, and would you read this with me? Will rule in life through Christ. Read it again. Will rule in life through Christ. God has not called you to be subjugated by the problems of this world. God has called you to be an overcomer. Sometimes people think maybe too self-righteously that maybe we're better than other people. Sometimes we've deserved that reputation from the world that we think we're better. We don't think we're better. Not if we're truly people who are following Christ. We feel like the Apostle Paul. This is a true saying. To be completely accepted and believe Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. I am the worst of them. God came into this world to save you and me from our sins. All have sinned. Paul didn't write that in anger. Paul wrote that in great love and compassion. All have sinned. And all have fallen short of the glory of God. And what Christ has come to do, and it's why we need Him, it's why we must receive Him, it's why it's pure folly to reject Christ. Pure folly to reject Christ is to receive his forgiveness for our sins. You see, I've noticed something, and when you begin to get older, and I don't have a cane yet, but I've lived long enough to see that sin will make you run when there's no reason to run. Even in the lives of Christians, when there's unconfessed sin and things they haven't dealt with, sin will make you run when there's no reason to run. The Bible's very clear, and it's not in the outline, so write this reference down. It, it, uh, I don't know how I missed getting it in here for you, but Psalms 28, 1, 
The Bible says the wicked are edgy with guilt, ready to run off even when no one's after them. Let me read it to you again. I don't want you to miss it. The wicked are edgy with guilt. Have you ever felt edgy? You know, just that you can't, you're just worried, you're anxious. The wicked are edgy with guilt and they run off even when no one's after them. I've met these people. Sometimes they've been people in church. I've seen it in my children when they've acted different when I've come home. I've seen it in my sons. I've seen it in my daughter. They're just not the same. And rather than coming running and hugging you and running coming to see you and wanting to play, they're in their room. They're not talking. We're at dinner and they're not, and I go, this is not normal. And I'll go, okay, look at daddy. What's going on? And I love those days when they were so tender, when they were so godly and pure before they became teenagers. <laughs> and their eyes would well up with tears. Oh, daddy, I did this. And I go, it's okay. Let's deal with it. And I will never forget. I will never forget talking with one of my sons. And after we got done and we talked about what we should do, what did he think I should do? And boy, what he thought I should do was so severe. And you know, nothing that required that. And he goes, oh, it feels so good to get it out of the open. <laughs> Isn't that what confession does before God? Because the Bible says that, then it goes on in Psalm 21, says, honest people are relaxed and confident and bold as lions. We're like the song that Dan sang this morning. I stand forgiven in your love. We sing with a new gusto. We live with a new power in our lives because of the freedom of amazing grace. Now let's give the Lord a hand of praise for that. You see, fear can also keep you from pursuing God's dream for your life. So you got to identify, name, mask. What is the fear that keeps you from pursuing what God has for your life? In other words, let me rephrase it. What do you need to say yes to this morning? What is it that God has been dealing with you about and fear has been keeping you from doing it? What do you need to say yes to? What do you need to say to God? God, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll be what you want me to be. I'll do what you want me to do. What is it that you need to say yes to God about today? Maybe when you think about that, or maybe it just comes right to your mind right now, what would you do if you had the courage to actually step out on faith and do it? Maybe it's to start a small group in your home. Maybe it's invite people in. And recently, one of the ladies in our church was talking to me about how much we need fellowship and we need to be having other people under our homes. And I was listening to her talk about what her daughter had been telling her. And I thought, oh, God, thank you for our connections ministry and for Pastor Rick and Norma. And Lord, grow. Give us more small group leaders. Maybe you've got a good marriage, but you know your marriage could be better. Would you have the courage to go to marriage retreat with us in October and have fun, but learn about how to make a good marriage better marriage, but maybe fear makes you think if you sign up for a marriage retreat, people will think you've got problems. Friends, everybody's got problems. We know you're not perfect. We've been around you. We know you're not perfect. You know I'm not perfect. And we go and we grow together and we build better marriages. Or maybe if you went to counseling, somehow or another you could begin to find out what causes you to, to, to lose your temper, what causes you to get angry 
without cause, and you, you find yourself getting counseling, if you have the courage just to say, I've got a real problem with this, maybe you're like me. When I came here at 44 years of age, many, many years ago, I was healthier then than I am now. I was stronger then than I am now. And I can remember telling people in a, in a time when I was sharing my faith, I was. In my 20s, I was learning to run. My legs still weren't lining up straight just yet. I couldn't run a block and the, 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 the hips were still getting right. And, 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 and somehow or another, a group of people got around me and they began to encourage me. And I will never forget through a lot of pain and a lot of early mornings when I first ran my my 10K, all of those people that I asked to help me, they ran the 10K with me. They could run circles around me, but they ran with me the whole time, encouraging and cheering. And what I didn't know was they had spread the word, and I had over 300 friends at the finish line clapping and cheering for Pastor Dennis when he crossed the line that day. I want to tell you something. When you are willing to ask for help, there are people willing to help you a part of your journey of success in life. But you've got to have the courage to say, I need help. Amen. Saying I need help is not saying you're weak. Would you have the courage to adopt? Would you have the courage to bring a child into your home? Would you have the courage to open up and, and just say, Go through everything. Go through my life. Go through my finances. Go through my background. Talk to my neighbors. Talk to my employers. And then say, oh, I want to give a home. Don't sit there saying, I can't have a child when you could adopt if God's given you the heart to be a parent. Look at what the Bible says. God says to Joshua in chapter 1 and verse 9, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. And here it is again. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Read that with me. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The reason for our courage is not because we're special. The reason for our courage is because God is with us. Look again, Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Dear friends, you have always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I'm away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. There's the fear of the Lord. But look, here's the presence of God. For God is working in you. Where is he working at? In you. Who lives in your heart? Jesus God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. What is the source of those dreams? It's God working in you. It's God giving you the desires. But it's also God giving you the power to do the dream. You see, if there's anything that I believe is that God has more power available to us than we've ever ever accessed and used. When I went to start running, I needed resources. So I went to people who could help me. I went to people who could come alongside of me and I asked them for help. And it's something I've discovered that there's plenty of help out there. As a matter of fact, I'm going through some coaching right now. I've told you about that before because I want to finish up. I want to finish strong. I want to finish well. I want to finish well if my marriage, I want to finish well with my ministry, I want to finish well with my family, I want to finish well and hear the Lord say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I, that's, that's a passion of my heart. I want to finish well. 
I know lots of people who started, but I want to finish well, and I want to stand before the Lord with an ever-increasing and growing dream. And right now, Becky and I have boiled that down to three things that we must accomplish, and, and I, I won't go into those. I don't mind sharing them with you if you want to know, but three things to accomplish to finish well. And sometimes when I talk to people about finishing well or getting back on track with their dream, maybe their marriage is off, and they'll tell me, I just can't afford counseling. And I'll say, listen to what you just told me. You're better able to afford your marriage breaking up than you are to afford counseling. That's foolishness. That's what dumbness is. Remember I said, sheep are dumb. Sometimes when a child is going (coughs) through a problem, and I'll say, well, look, let's get them into counseling. Let's get them in. I can't afford that. But you can afford for your child to waste their life and for you to live with a broken heart and for you to live with that anxiety because you can't afford to get your child help. Or sometimes when people tell me, I've got a dream and, and this is the business I want to start or this is the nonprofit I want to start. This is what I want to do to serve God. And I'll say, well, let's get you with the right people. Let's get classes and, and let's get in a mentoring and accounting relationship. Or, I don't have time for that or I, I can't afford that or, or I don't really, I know what I want to do. And I say, wait a minute, you're being dumb. I, I say that to people, so don't come see me if you don't want me to be honest. I won't have to say to you what Paul said. This is a true saying. I'm just going to tell you. You know, and I'll say, that's dumb. Everybody, I need help. You need help. The people who think they don't need help, they are the ones that are failing. Somewhere, someone is willing to take the time to invest in your life. But fear, fear will make you procrastinate until you're an old man with your cane approaching the valley of the shadow of death. And you'll be like so many. You've read about them. I would have spent more time with my family. I would have spent more time with my wife. I would have spent more time in the Bible. I would have answered that missions call. But now I'm at the border of the shadowlands and heaven. You don't have to fear because the Lord is with you. But you know the pain of regret because you never stepped out to do what God called you to do. So what are you afraid of this morning? Identify it. Name it. Unmask it. You see, as a follower of Jesus Christ, as a passionate follower of Jesus Christ, it's faith and not fear that defines our lives. As passionate followers of Christ who have surrendered our lives to Jesus, it's faith in God. He is the God of the impossible. The scripture says without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he or she that cometh to God must believe that God is and that God is a rewarder of those who diligently, not once in a while, not occasionally, but diligently seek him. God is the God who calls the things that are not into being as though they were. God is the God who multiplies the fish, who turns the water into wine. God is the God who walks on the oceans and calls you out to walk with him by faith. God is the God that says, you can make it this morning. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care what's going on. You can make it through Jesus Christ today. Faith defines our lives, not fear. Henry Ford was so right when he says, whether you believe you can or whether you believe you can't, you're right. 
I choose to believe the word of the Lord. Nelson Mandela, I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. Mr. Mandela admitted there was great fear, but sometimes you move in despite of your fear because you know God is with you. Psalms verse 4 and verse 8, surrounded by David writes, I can lie down and sleep soundly because you, Lord, will keep me safe. You can sleep when you're surrounded. As a matter of fact, when you're doing what God calls you to do, you're going to be surrounded by some enemies. There are always going to be people who misjudge you, say things, do things, try to hinder, but you can lie down and sleep at night because the Lord is with you. Psalms 94 and verse 19, when I was upset and beside myself. Anybody ever been there? Raise your hand if you've been there. The rest of you are lying. <laughs> so fear is keeping you from being honest. If you've ever been upset and beside yourself, lift your hand up this morning. That's what I thought. <laughs> Sitting there trying to make us think you're better than what you really are. Your mama did not raise you like that. Thou shalt not lie. When I was upset and beside myself, you calmed me down and cheered me up. <laughs> Isn't that rich? Oh, Jesus, there are people in here that need calming down. Father, there are people in here who need cheering up, and I'm asking you, Minister to their souls right now. You got a report from the doctor. You've had an unexpected event or tragedy in your life. And you feel like God has forsaken you. But God wants to give you a good night's rest. And God wants to calm you and cheer you up. If you can stand the pulling, God's going to pull you through. So, Pastor, how do you do it? Well, first of all, I listen to music that glorifies God. Now, I don't just listen to Christ Christian music, but I listen to music that glorifies the Lord. Especially when I'm going through a challenge, I won't be listening to classical music. I won't be listening to country music as much as I love it. I won't be listening to jazz as much as I love that. When I'm going through a challenging time, or I listen to music that just feeds my soul and feeds my faith. My wife goes to sleep at night listening to praise and worship music. The Bible says in Psalm 66 and verse 4, all the earth worships you and sings praises to you. They sing praises to your name. I love seeing the babies in our church services. Sometimes when some of you parents let them go and I can see them, we're singing and they can't even talk yet, but they're doing this right here and they're filling the music. They're, you just see them doing it and you see music is a part of us. There's a, there's a music to your heartbeat and a music to your breath. God created us to sing and to glorify. Some people believe, some Hebrews believe, and I, you know, that I've read the why, they've read, they read it this way, but some Hebrews believe that God literally sang, the spoken word was God singing the earth into creation, and that's where, that's where C.S. Lewis got his idea of Aslan singing the new heavens and the new earth into creation and the reuniting of those that had already came to life. You were created to sing and make a joyful noise to the Lord. You are not created to sing, my wife left me, my dog left me, and my truck is gone, and I miss my dog. <laughs> you were created to sing the high praises of the Lord. 
You read your Bible and books and articles that grow your faith. Put aside the newspaper for a while. Turn off the television and the news. We're missing solitude today. Everywhere you go, people have got things stuck into their ears. They've got phones in their ears. There is less solitude today in Western civilization than there's ever been before. Nobody's left alone with their thoughts anymore. Many people say the reason they're constantly listening to something, whether it's a podcast or music or whether they're listening or talking on the phone is because they're afraid of the silence because their fears come back to them in the silence. I would say to you, get in that silent place and be quiet. That's the reason I've asked you during this 40-day fast. Spend five minutes just shutting up. Somebody told me just recently, says, Pastor, that's the hardest thing for me to do is to sit there five minutes and just be quiet. But read your Bible. Let God speak to you. Read good Christian books about what you're wanting to know. Read articles. When I'm afraid, I will trust you. David's not denying that he gets afraid. He says, when I'm afraid, I will trust you. I praise God for his word, the Bible. I trust God, so now I'm not afraid. What can human beings do to me? Look at this next verse. This book of the law always on your lips. Where? On your lips. Say it with me. On your lips. Now that next word is important. Meditate, it means to mutter. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me beside the still waters. He, he prepares a table for me in the presence of mine. That's muttering. That's keeping the word of God on your lips. And some of you need to stop muttering about your wife. Some of you need to stop muttering about your husband. Some of you need to stop muttering about your job. Some of you need to stop muttering about politics. You're muttering about everything else. You are meditating and you don't realize you're meditating. The Bible says keep this word upon your lips and mutter it all day long. Take Psalms 23 and just mutter it, meditate on it. You don't have to say it out loud like I did, but just be whispering it or say it out loud in your car. But when you mutter the word of the Lord, look what happens day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it, then you will be prosperous and successful. If you want to be miserable and a failure, if you want to be miserable and poor, if you want to be miserable and frightened, then you keep muttering about the things that don't matter. But if you want to prosper and if you want to be successful, you begin to mutter the of the Lord and watch what God will do in your life. My word will not return to me void, the scripture says. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're talking about casting out fear. Perfect love cast out fear and then do life with faithful people. Do life with faithful people. Don't put the quote up yet, but a book that I read some time ago, Getting Past What You'll Never Get Over, by William Westfall. He tells a story in that book of how that he was going out with two friends. They were crossing the Sea of Charlotte between Canada and Alaska and the open waters. And it was his first time ever to be out on the open waters in the sea. And he um, happened to go down into the main cabin and water was rising. So he went up and told the guy that was piloting the ship that owned the ship, he said, the boat, he says, should water be in the cabin? And the guy went in and looked at the cabin and had got on the, uh, the, the headset and called the Coast Guard. 
And he said, he said the words that no Sunday wants to hear. Mayday, mayday, mayday. And something I just said made Siri say, go ahead, I'm listening to you. So I hope you're listening as well as Siri is listening to me this morning. But said, mayday, mayday. And he asked, while the guy was talking, the Coast Guard told me, he says, we're not close enough to be able to get to you in time. We won't be able to get there. And so he asked the captain, he says, what should I do? And the Coast Guard recognized that evidently he wasn't an experienced sailor. He says, tell him to take a bucket and just begin to pour water out of the bathroom window of the ship and of the boat. He said, that'll keep him busy and keep him out of your way. Some of us need to get out of the way of God and let God do what God does in our lives. Amen? He goes on to tell the story how that the Coast Guard put out an all uh, for people to come and to help. And it wasn't long because the, the switch was working to get the other gas tank to working. So it wasn't long before a big shipping trawler came up alongside of them. And, but they had a pump, but they were afraid that their, the, the water that they displaced would turn over the boat. And so they couldn't board. And about that time, here come a small fishing boat that came alongside and took the pump from the big boat and put it on their ship so they could get it over. And here was a young couple sailing around the world. They heard the, the call and they sailed their sailboat right into the side of their boat to keep the boat from drifting. And they were able to pump out the water and put cans of gasoline into the, to the, um, the, the gas tanks. And the young couple that came on board from the sailboat, he took off his, his, his shirt and stuff and dove down into those frigid waters, Alaskan waters, and took shirts and pencils and everything else they could find on the boat, and he made a temporary plug under the water coming up and down, and in eight minutes, you get hypothermia, but this young man kept until he plugged the boat, and they got on and got him dry. They were able to go, and the small shipping, small fishing boat followed them all the way until they got to a port where the boat could be repaired. But what I want you to get from this story, and you can put the quote up, he asked him, he says, why didn't y'all just go on now that we had gas? He said, it's the rule of the sea, they told me. When a ship is in trouble, we will stay with it until released by the Coast Guard. After all, today it was you, but tomorrow it might be one of our boats that needs assistance. I want you to know something. Woodland Church is a church that will stay with you till you get to safe harbor. Woodland Church is a church that will do life with you. We are not afraid to do life with people. We're not afraid to get down into the ditch. We're not afraid to get into the muddy waters. We are a congregation that understands we are in this thing together. We are the body of Christ. We have the mind of Christ and we will go through it because tomorrow it might be me that needs your assistance or it might be you that needs my assistance, but we're in this thing together. So do life with faithful people that love the Lord. Somebody say amen this morning. And then finally today, I want you to own the new identity that God has given you when you were born again. I want you to own the new identity God has given you when you confessed and gave your heart to Christ. You're a child of God. You're an heir of the king. You're the head, not the tail. You've been made more than a conqueror. Your name is in the Lamb's book of life. He loves you. He loves you. He cares with you. And I want you to know something this morning. God is a good dad this morning. God is a dad that cares about you. His spirit in you cries out, 
Abba, Father, our Daddy, God. There's something in you this morning. You know that God loves you. Own that identity. You are not what you used to be. You are not what you were. You are not a coward because cowards will not inherit heaven. Don't mock this thing called fear. Cowards will not be in the kingdom of heaven, the Bible says. You have been made bold as a lion. You have been made courageous. You are a child of God today. Somebody praise him this morning. I want you to watch a video clip here for just a moment. But let me kind of give you the setup. It's from a movie called The King's Speech. And if you rent this movie after I have, and I do recommend it, but if you rent this movie, there's some bad language in it, okay? So don't come to me and go, Pastor, did you know there was bad? Yes, I knew there was bad language in it. But it's not nothing you've never heard before. And some of the language some of you have said in here before. <laughs> I know, because I knew you before you became a Christian. How's that for honesty? <laughs> I'm not even looking at Becky because I will hear about it after church. <laughs> Jesus, help me right now. <laughs> I was so moved by this movie, I had to watch it over and over. Here's the king of England that he has to assume the throne because his brother abdicates. But he has a real stuttering problem like Moses had. And it's the advent of radio. He doesn't want to be king because he stutters. And now instead of delivering a written speech, he has to give a speech over the radio. And there are so many people who don't believe in him they're telling him things that aren't true about himself. And he has believed the lies because he's grown up hearing them all of his life. And here he is, the King of England. His wife hires a very unorthodox speech coach. And what he specializes in is not so much speech therapy, but your identity. And when you can change your identity and own your new identity, then you can become what God has called you to be. Those songs about there's a new name written down in glory, there was so much more to that. The Bible says you are a brand new creation. All things have passed away. Now the thing is, the king never completely got over his stuttering problem. But he went on to be a great king. I want you to watch this clip. You're the bravest people I know. It's my joy to get to tell your story. Some of you that have faced horrible setbacks. And through your faith in God, you've overcome, you've persevered. Some of you, you've had some horrible failures. And fear made you want to run. But you owned up, confessed to God, to those that you hurt. And though you haven't come to the 
valley of the shadow of death it's like you've walked through that valley and I'm so proud of you because your faith in God your trust in his word you didn't do what so many people do for the person that conceals her sin shall not prosper but when you faced it or faced your fear or faced your anxiety God has worked in your life and he's made you more than an overcomer 1st Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 says you're not like that you are a chosen people now this is not written to the Jews this is what's written to Christians you are a chosen people you are royal priest what's a priest someone that speaks to God for people you have a voice it's not how eloquently you pray it's how sincerely you pray you are a holy nation God's very own possession the world may doubt the world may not believe but you know there is a God and you belong to him so as a result you can you can say it with me you can show others the goodness of God for he has called you out of darkness into his wonderful light and once you had no identity but now we're God's people once you received no mercy but now you receive God's mercy there's a new name there's a new life and there's a fresh start so I'm asking you to do what the book of Job says surrender your heart to God turn to him in prayer give up your sins even those you do in secret then you won't be ashamed you won't be edgy you won't run away you'll be confident and fearless your troubles will go away like water beneath a bridge and your darkest night will be brighter than noon you will rest safe and secure filled with hope and emptied of worry and all God's people said bow your heads with me you may have been unbeknownst to me on the verge of giving up you may have become bitter in your spirit you may have become so edgy that you've considered taking your own life and the enemy has been whispering a lie they would be better off without you we need you we need you or maybe you're here today and you didn't even plan to be here but God brought you here God wants you to know he has a new life for you and there's no reason for you to live in fear. You too can be a child of God. So right now, I ask you, 
Is fear holding you back from giving your life to Jesus? Has fear led you to believe you'll never be good enough? Let me let you in on a secret. I am so far from being good enough. I'm a much worse sinner than the Apostle Paul ever was. Has fear led you to believe that somehow or another God's given up on you? Oh, friends, you don't know God. He doesn't give up. He doesn't give up. Don't you give up on God. And don't mistake that stirring inside of you right now and dismiss that as emotion. That's the Holy Spirit drawing you to Himself today. So would you pray this prayer with me? Just pray it quietly, but talk to Jesus. Let me help you with the words, but talk to Jesus. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you. I don't understand why you died for my sins. I just know that I need grace and I need mercy. I need forgiveness and I'm tired. Oh God, I'm tired of the life I'm living. And this morning, I confess to you that I'm a sinner. Just like Pastor Clanton, I'm a sinner. And I ask you to forgive me and to come into my life. Make me what you promised to make me. A new creation. A new name. For it's in your holy name I pray. Amen. Now would you just begin to love him? And my dear brother or sister, that you've already crossed that line, but this morning fear, maybe you feel like you've come to a place where you need a cane and you're approaching the valley of the shadow of death. Maybe there's some things you need to kind of just sum up and say, this is what really matters. This is, this is the legacy I want to leave behind. Don't be afraid. Or maybe you're not even close to that valley yet, but you know every day brings you closer. And time in our way of thinking is not the way time is with God. Any of us could go to be with the Lord at any time. But God's put a dream in your heart. I'm asking you identify, name, fear that keeps you from becoming what God wants you to be. I was going to ask if you would, would you stand with me, everyone, and just take a few minutes and come join me at the altar. We're going to worship and we're going to sell out 100% to God. Come and join me right now. Don't leave. Don't run. But come to this altar, everyone. If you just gave your heart to Christ, let's come to the altar and worship Him. Go ahead, team. Go ahead and sing it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus. Oh, come on.
on, church, pull in close. You have people room to come. Come on in close. Hallelujah. God wants to meet you in the altar this morning. God wants to meet you in the altar today. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, pull on in. Sing it and worship the Lord together. Sing it loud. Sing it loud. Sing it strong this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Child of God, I no longer, come on, sing it again, to fear I am a child. Of God, I know now before you clap or anything like that, I want you to right here in this altar this morning, just quietly to the Lord. What are you afraid of? What have you been struggling with? And identify that. Just put your finger in your spirit. What is it? Then call it by its name. And then unmask it. Unmask it. <laughs> you see it's not near as fearsome as you think it was God has conquered everything through Christ he has whatever that fear is sickness death maybe you fear the devil maybe you fear the enemy maybe you maybe you're afraid of God this morning you just not the kind of fear that is the wise fear but you're just afraid of him being angry and punishing you God punished Christ for all of our sins he's not punishing you just give it to him right now and then at this very moment just by faith say Lord I want faith to define who I am in the name of Jesus. Without faith, it's impossible to believe God. You say, Pastor, what is faith? It's trust. It's trusting His Word. It's being confident that God will do. And if God doesn't answer your prayer the way you want Him to answer it, He still answers your prayer. And His answer is the best answer. Or you do that just... Maybe a scripture will come to your mind.
Some of you, Moses was a stammerer. And God sent him an Aaron to be his helper. God's going to send people alongside of you to help you with your dream. They'll just feel led to say, I want to help you. They're going to hear a call from heaven. And they're going to come in the boats and they're going to surround you. One's going to help keep you from drifting. One's going to take from the, from the big ship that has what you need. And it's a smaller ship and it's going to take and it's going to be the conduit that gets you what you need. And then we're all going to go through this thing together. If there's a dream, maybe you've dreamed of becoming a writer. Someone this morning has I've dreamed of becoming a writer. When are you going to start writing? Maybe it's a blog you'll write. Maybe it's, maybe it's writing a book. Maybe it's writing a, a journal for your children and grandchildren. But right now in this altar, decide when you're going to start. I would say start today. Whatever you can do to start on it today. Because fear will make you procrastinate. Maybe it's to, to go to the marriage retreat and you just start putting $5 away. Or you can put $5 in the offering and market marriage retreat. We'll put it towards your account every week. But you're going to be at the marriage retreat. Or maybe whatever it is, you know. I don't want to just list things. But God has more resources available to you than you'll ever dream. Sing it again. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I know I've got to do this one more time. There's a sense of relief. I think God visited with some of you in a very special way this morning. And I can tell just by the heads that are being nodded around the room. Here's our dismissal. I didn't have time to read all the verses this morning, but let's not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of His return is drawing near. I don't want you to leave until you turn around to at least three people and encourage them. Think of something. You can do that. Think of something nice to say to them. I mean, just if you like what they're wearing, tell them you like it. They look good in it. If you don't like it, keep your mouth shut. You know, turn around and, and if you don't know them, just say, I'm so glad you were here for this message today. And just... God bless you, but let's encourage one another before we leave today. God bless you. Consider yourselves dismissed.